today on Down These Paranormal Roads, Episode 8. We're going to talk about the werewolf and other shapeshifters. So, buckle in. Get ready as we go down these paranormal roads. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 8 of Down These Paranormal Roads. I am your host, Milf, and this is probably going to be a two-parter, at least. Uh, because, well, <laughs> well, hell, let's just get into it. The other day I found myself wondering what the difference was between... A werewolf and a dogman. Well, tonight on episode 8, we're going to discuss these differences as well as a few other similar cryptids. Because as I got into my research, I realized that there's a lot of inconsistencies with the werewolf lore. So, we'll start with basically defining each of them, and then we'll go into uh, the specificities? Specificities? (laughs) So we'll define them, do the histories, then we'll go into the uh, specifics of each. So, first and foremost, the werewolf. The werewolf has existed in one form or another since as far back as humans have been keeping tabs on the world. Uh, Engraved in the allegedly ancient tombs of Egypt, there are animal-human hybrids. Uh, depicted in the long-lasting stone there. Even before that, in Sumerian times, there are reports of dog-headed human creatures. So, werewolves are as (laughs) common and as I don't know, uh, expected as fucking worms, man. They've been around for as long as we have. They are also a perfect representation of the animalistic urges deep within humanity's heart. The dog man is a relatively new cryptid in the grand scheme of things. 
having first been seen in the late 1800s, uh, as well as being specifically located, uh, cryptid. It is typically currently only a North American thing. Um, in Michigan, uh, some would say down towards Louisiana, but we'll get to that. Um, typically the Dogman has a 10-year cycle, and there is a song which brought about the resurgence of the Dogman lore in current cryptid circles. Uh... On the rural roads of Michigan, uh, many people have claimed to see a dog-faced, human-bodied creature roaming free. The two most famous might actually be the same cryptid. The infamous Beast of Bray Road and the Michigan Dogman. Now, these creatures have never been seen transforming. They've never been seen adhering to the cycle of the moon. And typically, dogmen are reported with tails, whereas the tail is not a common item that pops up in the werewolf reports. Very seldom do you read a werewolf report where the witness mentions their tail. Whereas with dogmen, happens on a regular basis. Alright, so next we'll move on to the skinwalker. Skinwalkers are deeply embedded in the Native American cultures and have been known to those cultures for as long as they can remember. Uh, Typically, the Native American cultures don't like to talk about the concept of skinwalkers, but of course the rumors and stories have leaked out. Uh, They tend to represent the greed within each human. Uh, Needing a magic talisman or a magic whatever, spell, talisman, what have you, uh, skinwalkers tend to be uh, malevolent and ostracized witches in the culture. Now, They aren't all witches in Native American cultures. And that's where we're going to break down some of the older werewolf uh, legends. Because with a magical talisman, anyone could then change. It's not only the Native American ostracized witch that does it. If someone else gets their hands on a talisman of magical thing that makes them change, then they can choose to change as well. So, that's kind of 
an interesting aspect, which will divide a lot of people later on in the uh, podcast, because, well, a lot of werewolves are considered werewolves and yet use magical talisman, which would, you would think, put them in the skinwalker category, but we're not there yet, so we will get there. And now, mimics. Mimics have gone by many names throughout history, but are most recently known as shapeshifters in today's cryptic world. They were fairies, trolls, boggarts, and many other forest creatures that could shapeshift and change into other things, other people, uh, other creatures. They tend to embody the denial of acceptance of what humanity is capable of. Uh, it can't be can't be Steve. He never would have done that. It had to have been a shapeshifter. Somebody took over his form and did that horrible deed. So each of these creatures embody or represent a part of humanity's more animalistic traits. Uh, Traits that as we <laughs> foolish humans have become more civilized, like to push away, like to think that we have grown away from, that we can control, that we have control over at the very least, or have left in our distant past. All of these, though, are merely excuses, if you will, for humanity's most depraved actions, except one. While werewolves, skinwalkers, and mimics, or shapeshifters, all change from a human to a beast. They all transform from a human to a beast. The dogmen don't. And that's what sets the dogmen apart from werewolves. The dogman looks and acts like what we all imagine a werewolf is, but they are in no way, shape, or form human. While they are animal anthropomorphic, I'm going to mess that word up constantly, uh, having a human body and char- characteristics, but being animalistic, they have no human connection whatsoever. They are born as dogmen, they live their lives as dogmen, and they die as dogmen. They don't ever change back. At no point do they change into a human form. Nor do they have any underlying human understanding? Telling the difference between 
a dogman and the actual shapeshifters is almost impossible based on just the appearance. The only honest tell if is if they are completely alone or not. While all the other shapeshifters, the mimics, the <coughs> pardon me, uh, skinwalkers and the werewolves are loners who are essentially doing their own thing. Dogmen, much like wolves, live in packs. So it's typical that, yes, you might see a lone one, but they won't be alone. And again, they have tails. Uh, they exist in nature as dogmen with others like themselves. There are stories of lone dogmen, but these most likely were either werewolves or dogmen pack scouts. So you only saw the one, but the pack was still someplace else, you know? Uh, as far as the Michigan dogmen, uh, the Beast of Bray Road, uh, Land Between the Lakes, in fact, Land Between the Lakes, the monster of Land Between the Lakes is a perfect example where, <clears throat> if you go by the more recent understanding of that, there were at least two creatures there. Uh, and again, dogmen currently are referred to dogmen because no one sees them change. There's there hasn't been a uh, ending to the story, whereas a lot of werewolves, uh, this person changed and was confronted, and, and, okay, we know this person was the werewolf, and so, bam, you know, they've trans transformed back into a human. Dogmen don't transform. So... That's, that's the main difference. That was the question that set my mind off on this topic. You know, I keep seeing these dogmen stories on YouTube. keep reading about uh, dogmen on, online. Uh, the Monster of Land Between the Lakes is a relatively new cryptid that I just learned about. Of course, it's been known in cryptid circles for years, but... It got me wondering, you know, what's the difference between a dogman and a werewolf? That is specifically the difference. The dogman is a is always a dogman, whereas a werewolf is a human that transforms. So think of the dogman as their own species, kind of like Sasquatch. Uh, it's always that way. It does not change. So werewolves are... A tricky lot to nail down. When comparing them to other shapeshifters, they they look like dogmen. According to some reports, dogmen are slightly smaller and less monstrous looking, but more animalistic. But this only helps a little bit in differentiating them from the werewolf, especially considering the werewolf 
can also look like man wolves. Uh, the wolf man. Technically, that's a werewolf. But the howling, those are also werewolves. You know? So, the werewolf is a very interesting thing because it encapsulates so many different versions of what a werewolf is. So, adding to the confusion is the plethora of ways one could essentially become a werewolf. Uh, throughout history, you have many different, many different ways, from the magic belts, to a witch's curse, to deals with the devil, to drinking from a wolf's print on a full moon, to being bitten by a werewolf, uh, for simply being born to a werewolf, to werewolf parents, um, being the seventh son of a seventh son. Hell, there's, there's even in the Luguru or Ruguru, if you see one and speak about it in 13 days, if you tell somebody that you saw a Ruguru within 13 days of seeing it, you will become a Ruguru for 121 days. So, just crazy. You know, <laughs> there's there's so many ways to become a werewolf. So let's let's remove any of these options that are represented that are represented in other shapeshifters to narrow down the specificity specific specific specificity specific specificness <laughs> of the werewolf. The skinwalker needs magic to become a shapeshifter, uh, be it placed directly on the person or on some sort of talisman. So, magic, which is cursed, deals with devils, essentially anything where the person chooses to change should be considered a skinwalker. Now, Okay, now, Skinwalkers, again, the name Skinwalker is typically used for Native American belief. But, in the world today, now that we know more, we can recharacterize, or re reclassify, rather, these old werewolves. Like, like uh, Peter Stubb. He had a magical belt. And uh, it was it was given to him by the devil, and it allowed him to turn into a, a werewolf, and he killed a bunch of people. You have a lot of these uh, European werewolves where they transformed, but they chose to transform. They wore a belt. They had a pelt, a wolf's pelt that they put on. Um... Even even the Vikings, the berserkers and the Vikings, they wore animal pelts and they turned in to those animals. 
those are skinwalkers. Those aren't werewolves. So we need to classify them as skinwalkers. Now that we have this differentiation, differentiation. Man, I am messing up all kinds of words today. <laughs> but Peter Strub, uh, Lisa Gebenu, uh if you want to go with the Sawney Bean clan, which uh, you can't really because it's not technically true, those are all skinwalkers, eh? Because they used a pelt or a magically gifted talisman of some sort, and B, because they chose to change. The Beast of Gévaudan, or however it's uh, Frenchly pronounced, <laughs> uh, was either a large wolf or clearly a dogman since transforming was never mentioned in that story. They, this thing just terrorized the countryside and they killed God knows how many wolves. There's never a transformation. So maybe they got the right wolf and it was just a large wolf, but maybe, maybe it was a uh, goddamn dog man. You know? So, this leaves us with three distinct possibilities. And these three actually lead into each other. So, to become a werewolf, one must be cursed. Drinking from a wolf print, or consuming wolfsbane or belladonna uh, during a full moon or downstream from uh, wolves will curse the human to change into a werewolf during a full moon cycle. During that transformation, the werewolf is prone to giving in to its animal urges, and it ends up biting someone without eating them. Now, typically, a werewolf attack is going to kill the victim. But every once in a while, you get a werewolf attack where the person just gets bit. That's odd, you know? This monstrous creature that can rip through metal in cars and break into motor homes and just, just tear through anything just ends up biting somebody? It's kind of odd. But if it's not as strong during the lesser phases of the moon and it just bites somebody, that kind of makes sense, you know? Typically, the werewolf tend to take the hearts and other organs from the victims, essentially killing them. But if one was just bitten, one would then be cursed as well. Unlike the original werewolf, who, who drank or consumed and naturally was cursed, the bitten werewolf would 
be more likely to feel the pull of the moon throughout its entire cycle, as opposed to just the full moon. Gaining strength and animalistic characteristics as the moon waxed, this would explain the wolfman stages, as well as the drastic temperaments of different werewolves that are commonly known. Now, having naturally caused and forcibly cursed werewolves, both cursed, of course, you would eventually run into the third type of werewolf. The werewolf birthed of two werewolf parents. So, two werewolves who were cursed get together and trying to live their best lives. You get a little bit of that doggy style action going underneath a full moon and bam, next thing you know, mama wolf popping out a cute little pup. Now, this person would be born human because it's from two humans. Even though they mated when they were werewolves or perhaps didn't mate when they were werewolves, it would still be a human and it would simply be cursed. So born from two werewolf parents who were cursed, you would get a true full-blooded, cursed from birth werewolf who would feel its nature from day one. Whereas the naturally cursed person would have to come to terms with the animalistic urges within a cycle and throughout the different cycles of the full moon and a bitten werewolf would also have to deal with that the naturally born cursed werewolf would have those urges those animalistic senses those powers its entire life so the the parents would have to deal with that while it's a child. Imagine terrible twos, but your toddler is a fucking werewolf, man. <laughs> As a child would grow in its human and werewolf natures, would coalesce into a creature who had almost complete control over its transformations. Except during a full full moon, of course. Although a werewolf who grew up dealing with the curse would no doubt have far more control over its animalistic self when transformed. The naturally cursed werewolf, uh, the one who drank from the wolf's paw, would typically only transform during a full moon. Whereas the bitten would feel the transformation as 
the moon cycled through. So during a new moon, it wouldn't really feel it. And as the moon cycles up, it would get more and more animalistic until the full moon came out and it would fully transform. I mean, that makes sense in explaining the wolfman, the different phases of werewolves that we've seen represented throughout all the millennia, going all the way back. Some of them just, you know, have the head of a dog. Some of them full-on fucking werewolves, you know, howling transformation, werewolf in London, fucking cursed badasses, you know what I mean? (laughs) But the naturally born werewolf, cursed from birth, would, at least by puberty, be able to transform whenever it wanted to. Kind of like uh, Teen Wolf. You know, he can just change when he wants to change. And into the different forms. Man Wolf, Werewolf, all of the different things. You know, and uh, Man Wolf should be Man Wolf. Werewolf should be the giant, vicious one. Lycan should be the full on beast. But not animalistic, I think. I don't know. This is a this is a very interesting thing to stumble upon. That there are so many different things, and it needs to be recategorized. You know. So uh, let's get back to it, shall we? <laughs> uh, so the naturally born one. Uh, would have to be able to control its transformations. So, in review of the werewolves, they do not ever choose to become a werewolf. They are 100% cursed, which takes Peter Stubb all of these werewolves who chose to use an amulet or a talisman, it removes them from the werewolf category and puts them in with skinwalkers. It has to. Because they weren't cursed. They chose that. Naturally, by natural circumstances, forcibly, by being bitten by another werewolf or genetically being born cursed by werewolf parents are the only three werewolves. I think that's I think that's a fair assumption there. Now having said that, and dogmen are their own species, they're always dogmen. Bam, that separates those two. Now, skinwalkers. Skinwalkers are humans who use magic or magic-imbued items, talisman, if you will, 
to change on purpose. These talisman can be anything a witch or demon has imbued with power to change the possessor, be it a trinket, a belt, an animal pelt, uh, jewelry, what have you. Skinwalkers can also change into other anapomorphic animals. But the distinction is that skinwalkers choose to be a part of the change and use the change for their their own malevolent and uh, selfish reasons. Well, the term skinwalker is overtly Native American uh, in modern usage. There is no denying the similarities between the concept in Native American tales and the Euro-Germanic uh, I suppose we can just say greater European depictions of werewolves back in the day. Of these malevolent people using magic to change into animals and get essentially what they want. Well, skinwalkers can look like dogmen or werewolves. They choose to do so. This completely differentiates them from both the dogmen, which is born that way and is always that way, is never human, and the werewolf, which was cursed naturally, forcibly, or genetically. I mean, that just, that seems to make sense to me. Now, the Ruguru, or Loop Guru, is a creature known mostly from the swamps of Louisiana. Uh, that doesn't mean it's only in Louisiana. It is a French-Canadian Cajun beast. Um, a story that those families told their children to keep their children out of the swamps, out of the woods. Uh, because the Lugaru or Rugaru steals misbehaving children. It is distinctly a werewolf because it's cursed. But one of specific rules through all the different legends, uh, the similarities are that it is a human cursed to prowl the land, typically for 101 days. At which point, the creature, if it has not died yet, will transfer the curse to another human. Be it one that was bitten, one that spoke of the Rougarou experience within the 13-day no-speaking-rule period, <laughs> or, in some cases, some tales, a Catholic who hasn't adhered to Lent properly. However, there are depictions of the Ruguru as simply a beast, not a shapeshifter. I believe that this specific one is 
the dogman uh, spreading out and gaining territory, if you will, moving into new areas of the world. Now, the Rougarou is... It's a very unique cryptid, but it is inherently a werewolf. It's just a specific type of werewolf. And there are many different versions of the tale, as many as its name. Rougarou, Loopgarou, Lugarou, Rougarou, Ragarou. Um, depending on where you are, it has a different, its name is pronounced differently, and its story is different. The constants in the tale are that it's a man, sorry, human, turned into a beast. It has a time limit, so 101 days, 13 days, what have you, and it feeds on children. So that's what kind of separates it as a very specific type of werewolf. So, there you go. That's a, that's a unique one. So then, that leaves us with mimics, which are commonly referred to as shapeshifters. What sets them apart from werewolves and uh, skinwalkers is that they're... Essentially, mutants that can change into a specific person when they get their hands on said person's DNA. So while mimics can change into anyone, they have to change into a specific, distinct person. They can not just change into a human animal hybrid. They they have to know who they are essentially copying. Their change is a perfect copy down to the retinal, voice pattern, fingerprints, uh, toe prints. Uh, they, they are an exact replica of a person. They also gain the memories and mannerisms of the victim that they are copying. So, while they won't necessarily act like them in attitude, they will gain the knowledge to act like them to know certain things and to be able to fool those closest to the victim if need be. Uh, they I imagine if they ran into a dogman and got some of the dogman's DNA they could turn into a dogman. Uh, I don't know if a mimic would be able to transform if they copied someone who was cursed with werewolf. 
I don't know. That's a that's an interesting concept. So, while a mimic could, in theory, change into someone who is a werewolf, it is not a hundred percent guaranteed if they would then be able to transform into a werewolf. I'm not sure if curses transfer with DNA. You know. <laughs> Uh, I imagine a genetic werewolf where it's part of the person's DNA, maybe. Imagine if it happened, Mimic would have to copy a genetic werewolf to be able to change into a werewolf when copying that person. Hmm. Interesting question. Uh, so, in some nation, <laughs> dogmen are creatures who are born, live, and die as anthropomorphic dog and human hybrids. They never transform, and they definitely have a tail. Typically, they live in packs, but they can be seen individually. Um, like you'll see a wolf or a coyote by itself, but you know that that wolf or that coyote has a pack somewhere that it exists with. Skinwalkers are humans who use magic or talisman, magical talisman, to choose to change into animal-human hybrids for selfish, malevolent reasons. While the name Skinwalker is distinctly Native American, I do believe that the concept is worldwide. And as we cryptid, as the cryptid world grows, the terms need to grow as well. So I think utilizing the term Skinwalker for non-Native American people is an inclusive move. I don't know. I think it's a good, I think it's a positive thing. Mimics are mutants who evolved to be able to copy another being. They don't need tra uh, magic to transform, and they are not cursed. That's just what they are. The Rougarou is a French werewolf that likes to eat children. <laughs> the werewolf is a human who has been cursed to change by the moon cycle into anthropomorphic man-wolf beast. Each are distinct in their own ways, and while they are often lumped together and mistaken for each other, the werewolf, the dogman, the lugaru, the skinwalker, the mimic, they each have their own strengths, weaknesses, and origins. Now, while in a confrontation, it'd be almost impossible to differentiate them, there are a few clues that could help. Again, all dogmen have tails. Not all skinwalkers or werewolves do. Uh, if you see a group of 
dog-human hybrids, it's more than likely a pack of dogmen, although werewolves have been known to socialize, but it tends to be for procreation means only in the werewolf culture. Be it just one or two, or the, you know, essential orgy of werewolves. It happens, right? I mean, I'm sorry. Well, werewolves always have a humanity to them. And no matter how small it is, the dogmen are 100% animal. I'd suggest one could tell by their eyes. But chances are, if you're close enough to look deeply into either of these creatures' eyes, uh, it doesn't really matter which one it was, because, well, it just killed you. So... Yeah, there you go. I was actually able to finish it in one recording. That helps. Uh, the differences between a werewolf, a dogman, a skinwalker, and a mimic. Well, I'm glad you came with me on this ride down these paranormal roads. We, uh... We're redefining things here, and we're, uh, we're figuring the stuff out, so, uh, thanks for joining me tonight on episode 8, and, uh, hopefully, we'll come back around for episode 9. I intend every time to make these a more regular thing, but life does tend to get in the way, and... Wow, I love doing them. Sometimes you can't always do only what you love. So, I will see you guys next time. I have been Milf, your host. Thanks again for joining me as we travel down these paranormal roads.